0: It took many years of working in jobs that I didn't necessarily like, but I realized looking back, um, my first job was as a management consultant. I was working in a place where I had to wear a suit every day, and I was working in a cubicle, and you know, I, I, I would sometimes sit there at the office and go, I don't know what else to do, but this isn't it. I know it's not it. Um, and then I moved to advertising. From advertising, I worked in Hollywood. And from Hollywood, I moved to New York to go to grad school to, to really write. Um, but when I think back to that first job, which I felt so ill-suited for, and I didn't like it, um, I realize now that every single job was teaching me a special skill that I needed.
1: You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, a.k.a. The Funny Brown Girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Welcome back to another episode of The Creative Breakthrough. Hey, thank you guys so much for all the positive feedback on last month's episode with J.P. Lembieres. You guys had some really great comments, and I loved hearing it, and I loved hearing how you want me to make this podcast better. Also, thank you for those of you who sent in questions for this week's interview with Maza Mengiste. We're actually going to interview her, or we're actually going to talk to her this week and in two more weeks. So if you still have questions that you didn't get into me, feel free to send those to me at hi at funnybrowngirl.com. Also, lots of cool opportunities starting to roll in for writers, podcasters, filmmakers. So make sure you sign up for my newsletter at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe or join my Facebook community where I post these um, opportunities as well. And that's at facebook.com forward slash funnybrowngirl. No, no, no. That's the opposite. I apologize. It's funnybrowngirl.com forward slash Facebook. So many funny brown girl things happening. Um, And make sure you follow me on Instagram too at funny brown girl. I'm always posting stuff there as well. And I would love to meet you. So feel free to slide into my DMS, pop me a message. I really want to make this show for you guys. So feel free to tell me how I can make it better. What questions you want me to ask who you want me to interview. I'm more than happy to reach out to whomever that you guys are interested in talking to. So let me know. Like I mentioned last week, I'm starting to post these up on YouTube as well, so feel free to check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash funny brown girl. This week, I really want to talk to you about creativity and grief. Um, if you do follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you probably can tell I'm going through something right now, and I am I am grieving um, the loss of somebody in my life, and it it came as a huge surprise to me. It wasn't something that I was expecting to happen. And all of a sudden that person is gone from my life. And it's been really hard for me, like harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, I think I'm a pretty strong person, but like right now I feel super weak and I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of meditating. I've been watching, oh my God, so many YouTube videos because there's, there is so much information on YouTube about grieving and stuff like that. And Um, I've been talking to my therapist and I'm starting to realize that it's okay to feel weak at certain points in your life. It's okay not to always be the strong one. It's okay to sometimes put your guard down and say, I just need a minute to myself. I just need time to myself to process what happened. And so that's what I'm kind of doing right now. And I'm learning a lot about grieving and I'm learning a lot about like just who it makes you as a person. I mean, as a creative myself, I feel like right now as I'm grieving, I'm just stuck creatively. I like can't seem to do anything. All my mind does is ruminate over good times and sad times. And then I just start crying. And that's the worst part about grief is that it hits you in waves. And sometimes I think I'm doing really great. And then sometimes like right now, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) And it's like, I can't control when the grief hits me. And that's the hardest part. Um, But I know that once I process this and I get over it, I'm going to come out better. I'm going to come out stronger. I'm going to come out thriving. And that's what I've really set up for myself over the next couple of weeks is like, how do I how do I continue to make art and how do I continue to stay creative and not fall into this rut? And I've realized that being a creative and having an outlet is such a great self-support like pillar. It's such a great anchor that we already have in our bodies, in our systems, in our way of life. And it's just taking that to the next level and really throwing yourself into it and throwing yourself into your art form and throwing yourself into your writing. And so what I've been doing is really making sure that I'm journaling every day. I'm not a journaler, but I've really started to journal. I journal. How am I feeling? I'm journaling how, what I'm grateful for. I'm journaling about things that I've been reading and things that I've been writing or hearing about or talking to my therapist about just as reminders, because I, I know with my brain, I hear something and I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. That's what I'm, ha- what's happening to me. And then a couple of hours later, I forget about that. And so for me, it's been, a, it's been a process to just journal about my life and journal about what's happening to my body. And I realized that it's actually a good thing um, to be writing this stuff down. It's so hard to write this stuff down because all I want to do is cry when I'm writing it. But I realized that at a certain point in my life, I'm going to want to write a screenplay or a book. Or even have to act in a certain part where I'm gonna to have to bring up these feelings again and this way I already have them documented. I already know what it feels like. I already know what my heart feels like. I already know what my body feels like and and if you guys are like anything like me, like I'll tell you like this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling shut off from the world I'm feeling depressed, I've lost my appetite I've lost I've just I'm, I'm lazy I feel like all I want to do is watch TV, curl into bed, eat It's funny I've lost my appetite, but I still crave like salt and sweets. Um, I feel like my brain's not working. Like I feel like I'm always two steps behind in everything that I need to be doing because I'm spending so much time focusing on what's gone instead of focusing on what's in the present or in the future. And that's what I've really had to try to teach myself is stop thinking about the past and start thinking about the future. And that's where being a creative has really been helping me because I can get lost in that creative process. I can get I can start writing. And if I'm not focusing on writing about the grief and focusing on writing about what I want in my life, then I find that I get lost in that creative space. And so I'm here to tell you that if you are grieving someone, if you are grieving a loss or relationship or family member, find something that you're excited about. Find something that brings you a little joy. Find something that you can do on a daily basis. And that could be easy easily as like taking pictures every day with your smartphone, like something that makes you take a picture every day of something that makes you happy or read a book. Right. And, and I, I realized that I hadn't been reading a lot. Like I really stopped reading and I had replaced reading with television. And so I've had to slowly get back into reading. And so I set myself a goal that every day I will read 10 pages and then hopefully I can increase that number. But find something that you enjoy reading. Find something Even if you want to watch TV or you want to watch a movie, what I've started to do is fine. I'll watch TV and I'll watch a movie, but I have to take notes. I have to write out, okay, what is scene one? What is scene two? What is scene three? What is the arc? What is the, um, what is the conflict? At least that way I'm working my creative muscle. And at the same time, I can, I'm not feeling like I'm being a total lazy bum and not focusing on my creative um, endeavors. I've also put together a plan on like how I'm going to do stuff. I think the most important thing to me right now is just making finding time to be a creative. Finding even though I don't feel like I'm being super creative, finding that time to set aside and do something. Finding that time every day and find something that you enjoy doing and that you know you can do on a daily basis. So again, like I said, is it taking a picture every day? Is it cooking? I mean, that's a creative thing as well. Is it making? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to say you should go do this, but is it making like fancy alcoholic drinks? I mean, don't get drunk, but like. Is it like playing with different ingredients and different fruits and stuff like that? And for me, I know I need to find something that I can stay in my pajamas and do or I can do from bed. And so I've really been focusing, like I said, on writing and reading. And I want to start writing a new screenplay, something that kind of brings this emotion into light and somehow lets me work through it in a way. Um, But grieving is a natural process. And for people who tell you, like, stop crying or stop dwelling on it or stop living in the past, like it's your life and it hurts and i'm going to say to you like do what you need to do to process it and do what you need to do to get through it nobody else knows what you're going through nobody else knows how it impacted your life and so take your time and, and and go through the stages, go through the sadness, go through the anger, go through the questioning of God, go through wondering why this happened. And you won't get all the answers. I mean, I, I surely don't have all the answers, but I know that when I come out on the other side, it's going to all make sense to me. And maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. And, But I, I also realize like I can't let myself fall apart. I can't let myself just give up on life because of this. And so that's why as a creative, it's such a great thing that we have the support tool. We have this creative outlet. We have this outlet in general to just pour out our emotions into whatever that is. And so I highly encourage you to do that. And if you have any ideas or suggestions or thoughts, or if you've gone through the grieving period, let me know to keep me posted. Tell me what you're doing to help you get through the grieving process or what you did to get through the grieving process. And maybe it can help somebody else. So feel free to send me that at hi at funnybrowngirl.com. Today we have a really amazing guest. Maza Mengiste was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. A Fulbright Scholar and Professor in the MFA in Creative Writing and Literary Translation Program at Queens College, she's the author of The Shadow King and Beneath the Lion's Gaze, named one of The Guardian's 10 Best Contemporary African Books. Her work can be found in The New Yorker, Granta, and The New York Times, among other publications. She lives in New York City. Her new book, The Shadow King, came out in September of 2019, and if you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend you check it out. I picked it up at the bookstore, read it within a week, and was like, I I want to talk to Maza. And that's what I did. I sent her an email and she happily obliged to talk to me. And it was such an awesome interview. If you don't know enough about her book yet, I just want to give you some um, highlights. It was named by the Times of London as Book of the Month for 2020 and the observer actually says that it's one of the books to look out for for 2020. So like this book is getting national and international recognition and Maza is super cool. We talk about everything from working in corporate America to shifting into your passion to making it happen, to whether an MFA is necessary or not and how she stays disciplined and how she went about writing her book while juggling a full-time job. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get started.
0: Welcome to the guest chair, Maza. Oh, thank you. It's really wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Shireen. No, thank you. I appreciate
1: you uh, responding to my cold email. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was really excited about it. I think um, just the fact that we have uh, we have a connection there with uh, with Director Stefan Bristol. And I really, I thought that was an interesting um, reason to talk to you. But also, I think you went to NYU, right? Am I correct? I did not go to NYU. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: It's okay. Um, Stefan did. And that's how I met Stefan actually through American Black Film Festival.
0: That's it. The the idea of, yeah, the film connection was what I found really interesting because I haven't, um, it's interesting to me to be in conversation with people who are, filmmakers are interested in film or have this other perspective on creativity so i'm really excited to be here well thank you
1: and i guess our other connection is i know you lived in kenya for a little bit right yes okay and that's my my mom's side of the family is actually from kenya
0: oh my goodness what uh, nairobi or what part um mombasa oh i love that i love mombasa (laughs) (laughs) oh that's fantastic so we
1: we kind of have a connection. <laughs> yes, yes. So anytime I have a guest on the show, I really love starting with this question. Um where when and how did your creative journey start? Hmm.
0: You know, I it, I could say it started from I think the 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 most obvious answer, the most the 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 most assumed answer would be well, it really started when I started writing my book or started writing, period. I used to work in advertising before I I moved into the book world. But I think when I, now that you're asking me, I think that my creative journey really began as a kid. And I didn't know, I didn't know at that point that that's what it was. But I remember my mother and Ken you know in Kenya would get all these magazines and they would be all these different magazines from across different parts of Africa and, and from Kenya and I would sit there every day after school and just flip through them even though I didn't know how to read at that time and I would look at the pictures and I would be mesmerized by by what I was seeing and I, I really think that those moments after school, when I was first starting to read, going through these things, um, really started to open my mind to the possibilities of what the writing world is like, the way, that, um, the way that words could create images and the way that images work with words, the way that you could be immersed in something on a page i i really think that was when my i first started gravitating towards books but even it wasn't a book then i didn't know how to read so i would i think that my my first interest in writing really began with that and you know when i was in college i um a lot of people will say well when you were in college you know you must have been writing short stories and you must have known you wanted to be a writer. And I didn't, I didn't know that at all. Um, The only thing I knew was that I liked to read. And I had, I had no idea what it meant to be a writer. My family didn't know writers. I didn't come from a very literary family. My, My parents encouraged education and schooling, but they wanted an engineer or they wanted a doctor, not, you know, not a writer. Like, what is that? So, but I knew I loved to read. I didn't know. I'd, I've never met a writer in my life. I don't, I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know what they talked like. I had no idea how to write a book. So um, I was in college and I just had no clue about it, but I did know I liked literature and that was really my f- first clue that, wait, maybe I can do something in the world of literature, but I didn't know what it was. And it took, it took many years of working in jobs that I didn't necessarily like, but I realized looking back, um, my first job was as a management consultant. I was working in a place where I had to wear a suit every day and I was working in a cubicle and, you know, I, it, I I would sometimes sit there at the office and go, I don't know what else to do, but this isn't it. I know it's not it. Um, And then I moved to advertising. From advertising, I worked in Hollywood. And from Hollywood, I moved to New York to go to grad school to to really write. Um, But when I think back to that first job, which I felt so ill-suited for and I didn't like it, um i realized now that every single job was teaching me a special skill that i needed for writing and that first job that put me in a suit had me talking you know supervising and talking to supervisors um taught me about discipline and it 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 taught me about how to how to work with different personalities how to speak in a way that would get an idea across and i i've still I still use those skills now, but i I realize every every little thing I hated was a step in the right direction.
1: That's such an interesting way to look at it because I was actually just having this conversation with someone about like I'm still in corporate America, but it's always been my dream to leave it and i mm-hmm. always i always ask myself like why why are these experiences still happening to me in corporate America when it's like time for me to go? And that person actually said the same thing to me. Like, it's probably teaching me something that I'm going to need once I go out on my own so that I know how to, how to conquer those, those things later on in life.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I realized, uh, as I was sitting in that in my job, and I, I really hated it, and it would be depressing <laughs> some days, you know. But again, this is a give. It's a paycheck. It's health insurance. It's all these things that you need. But I remember at some point it hit me, and I said, "Oh my God, imagine if I really was just content in this job. That's worse, right? Then, then really." feeling the the way it doesn't fit, which means I am for sure going to get out of it one day. But imagine just being kind of complacent and saying, well, I'm just going to let it go. This is just how it is. And as soon as I realized that my restlessness was also a form of ambition um, and that was going to serve me well, I said, "Okay, let me just embrace the hatred (laughs) <laughs> and let me try to figure out some steps to get out of this but don't worry i i i would say to anyone feeling that that way right now that um i don't think contentedness is a gift i think restlessness is the gift that we need to be embracing when we're in certain jobs that's the thing that pushes you forward it's ambition so um, embrace that and work with it. And I'm glad I had that or I probably would not have made these other moves. I would have just let let it go because I was getting paid and I, um, it was easier to not resist. Hey, it's me, Shireen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative
1: Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. For sure. Yeah. So then, when did that inclination come to you that you wanted to go back to school to study writing?
0: It took a while because um, the idea of writing was just not in my framework. But when I was when I was um, working in this management position, what it afforded me also was uh, the time after work to do creative things. And when a friend of mine who worked in an advertising agency said, "Um, do you think you could write? And I had no sense that I could write. I knew I could write essays about for school because I like literature, but they said, "Um, do you wanna try something maybe come up with a couple of ideas. We're pitching a car company in our ad agency. We we can't pay you, but would you want to try it? And because I already had a paycheck and I didn't necessarily have to worry about money, I could take that risk. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And so every day after work, for several months, I would go to this ad agency and sit with them, and I learned this process. They taught me how to write copy, how to think of product, how to read, what the, custom, the client sends about you know, what they're looking for in their demographics and all of that. I learned that. Um, I wasn't getting paid, but I was getting some really valuable experience, and then we won the account, and they offered me a position, and that was how I was able to make a move into writing. And that was the first idea that I had that, wow, I think I might be able to put some sentences together. I know how to look at something and write something short, but fits a car or cereal or whatever we were working on at the time. And I worked in advertising for a number of years. And that was really um, my first introduction to anything relatively creative. And soon, though, that restlessness came back. And, and I, was, I was quickly realizing I don't want to write about cars. I don't want to write about cereal or chocolate cake, you know, or all of this. I've learned how to do radio and broadcast and all of this, but this isn't what I want. And again, I started, I started applying for jobs um while I was working and it took a long time. It took just this deliberate I had no experience really in anything else, but I was I got a position working in, in uh film industry, the lowest position, but again, that I learned. I was starting to learn again. Um and I did that for a while reading scripts and thinking, wow, this is kind of cool. I wonder if I could do this, if I could write for a commercial, you know, could I write scripts? I was reading them, giving feedback, doing this stuff. And um, I realized quickly it wasn't, I I like to write scripts, but my writing was more conducive to something else. And a friend of mine who is a producer said to me, you know, you really should think about a book. This thing that you're writing or you're trying out with the screenplay could probably work as a book. And that was my first sense that, oh wow, is this really possible? Could I try this? And I, um, I started applying for graduate school when I, w- I was living in LA at the time, and I was completely lucky and that i applied and got into nyu and that's really how the writing career began but every step you know was a process towards that and i i, I realize now looking back that even when i didn't feel grateful for all of it um it really helped me
1: well that's really comforting to hear <laughs> it, it actually it is because i I've, I've been in this little funk at because now that it's like it's like weighs on you, right? Like, you're yeah, like, when, when am I going to get out? Like, when yeah. is it like going to happen? So this is this is really good to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, trust me, I was feeling the same thing every all the time. Um, and now I look back, and I see the steps. But when you're in it, you can't see it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're just in it. And you feel like things are moving slowly. But um, as long as I you know, you're doing something else to towards that dream, Um, it's moving you just can't always feel it
1: right so now you went and you did your mfa at nyu Mm -hmm. looking looking back at it do you feel like an mfa is necessary to be a writer or did you feel like you needed it to like really learn like the fundamentals
0: you know i needed it and i know that the debate is it's it's gone on and it's it's ongoing but i really needed it you know it, it I, you have to th- remember I had no i had never had any real interaction with writers. I didn't have a writing community. I had never had anyone read my work and critique it from one writer to another. I did not have that experience, and um coming to graduate school, all of a sudden, I was in a community of writers. I was talking about writing, we were giving each other suggestions. I was learning how to read as a writer. And I think the most important thing, though, that that I learned in my grad school experience was that grad school really is what you make it. It will be no more and no less than what you do. And about the first month or so when I was there, I met with the director of the program. And I said, I really want to get involved with writers who are international or I want to be involved in the international writing world. How do I do that? And she said, well, there are these festivals that are in New York and one of them is an international festival and they're looking for interns. Do you want me to see if um, they would bring you on? I was like, sure. Yes. And so I've worked as a volunteer. I was, making sure that writers didn't get lost between their hotel room and the stage, bringing them water. And uh, the funny thing is some of those writers that I was bringing water to or leading them from one room to the other and helping them get seated and all of this, they're now the writers that I'm on stage with having conversations. Um, But I, you know, it was a step. It was another thing of, I said, yeah, I'll take, I'll volunteer for this even though I was, you know, I had to work, um, for my grad school, but I did that as well. And it, it made my experience that was as valuable to me as anything else I did within the program. Mm -hmm.
1: So going into the program, did you always know you wanted to write about something on an international, um, platform?
0: I had a sense because I was born in Ethiopia. I grew up, um, I grew up mainly in the US but I was also I also lived in Kenya and in Nigeria and I just had this my story I knew the first story I wanted or the first book I wanted to write was going to be set in Ethiopia and I wanted to get in that world where I didn't have I just wanted to be in communication with other writers who were writing similar things um not necessarily let's say american stories but stories that dealt with revolution or civil wars or these or just ideas um that maybe some of my other classmates weren't very familiar with uh and i found that in an international uh community uh as much as i as i did at, at nyu but more so with with writers from iran or writers who were who are from different parts of Africa, different parts of Asia, and also Europe, different parts of Europe, where countries had had experienced some kind of upheaval. And like me, they had some memories of it, or their parents did, and we could all sit around and talk about it, but we're actually talking also about literature and how literature addresses questions like that. How do you love during revolution? What, what is that like? How do you live as a family? And it was through conversations with with some of these writers that um, my, my first book, which is set in Ethiopia in the '70s during a revolution, that was very much like the Arab Spring, um, My book took shape through some of these conversations and, and really developed because people were talking about their own experiences, living through things, but also writing about them. And I was learning. Uh, And again, that wasn't necessarily in my program, but it was the conversations that my program made available to me. Mm -hmm. Did you start
1: writing your first book, Beneath the Lion's Gaze, while you were doing your MFA?
0: Yes. Okay. It really started that first semester Mm -hmm. that I was there. And I knew it was going to take a, I thought I would be done by two years, The program is a two year program. And I remember that first semester, I went to one of my professors and said, I'm going to finish the book in two years. And she laughed at me. She's like, No, you're not. And don't worry, but you're not. It just doesn't happen. Uh, It took twice as long. I took the program in in three years instead of two, partly because I had to work um, and partly because I wanted to give myself time to write. So I took classes part-time. And it, yeah, it took longer than I thought, but it was, I worked through it during the program.
1: So you finished the book. So you finished the book when you finished the program then?
0: I finished a a rough draft of the book, very rough draft when I finished the program.
1: So then when you continued writing, then were you a full-time writer? Did you still
0: have to like work? I still worked, and wow. at this okay. point I was teaching, and I was teaching full-time, and wow, those hours, it's really hard to balance. Mm-hmm. You know, there are days when you, of course, as you know, you get home and your brain is tired because all the energy you would have for writing, you've just given it over into your job. Uh, and sometimes I had grading to do, and so there, it just, that, it's a struggle. And what I, what I realized was um, if I was really going to do this book well, to revise, to write what I knew still needed to be written, um, I would have to change my schedule and my patterns. So I decided that I was going to wake up one hour earlier in the day and write for that time and then just go on with my day. That Made all the difference. That really, pretty soon, I realized I wasn't staying out so late because I was really excited about what I was learning, what I was writing. You know, I wasn't hanging out with my friends and getting really drunk, you know, really early until we, you know, the wee hours of the morning because I knew I had to wake up. And uh, it was this process. I didn't, I didn't initially, I said, I'm just going to try it for three days. And then those three days turned to a week. And then that week turned to two. And um, I didn't say I'm gonna do it for a year. I just said, let me just do it a little bit at a time. And that's really what worked best.
1: Wow, I hope you guys learned as much as I did. I cannot wait for two weeks from now when we get to talk to Maza again. If you do have any questions for her, please send them my way at hi at funnybrowngirl.com and I will make sure that I try to get them in and ask her. Key takeaways from today's chat with Maza. One, every job you have is teaching you something for a higher purpose. Two, don't be complacent. Three, embrace your restlessness as a form of ambition. Four, utilize your time after work to work on your passion. Five, as long as you're doing something towards that dream, it's moving. You just can't feel it. And six, change your schedule and your patterns to make time for your passion. That's it, y'all. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week. See you in two weeks. Again, feel free to hit me up at hi at funnybrowngirl.com. Join our Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash funnybrowngirl. Or check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash funnybrowngirl. Now... Go out there and flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm Funny Brown Girl. I'm Shirin Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.